Um, Alright, well, if I do a sermon today, I will start in John chapter 14. <laughs> if, because I don't know. Yeah, I know. What is, the, what is that? Um, John chapter 14 and 15, really, um, both chapters I wanted to take a look at uh, for a message. They uh, tie in with what we talked about last week with um, the idea of us being the temple of God and then seeing in Revelation that God is the temple and the Lamb is the temple and how much we are just tied together with Him and in Him and Him in us and uh, how we are one body, how we are joined with Him, and uh, just that unity that comes from Christ and through the Holy Spirit and, and all that that entails. And uh, in the Gospel of John, he talks about a lot of these things, even beginning his Gospel with, you know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and and all those aspects of it. And you think about the, the Word of God, you think about the temple of God, you think about the reality of who we are, and um, uh, this ties a lot of those things together. In uh, John chapter 14, verse 1, and Jesus is kind of um, preparing them for the fact that, that He is going to die, that He is going to be separated from them, um, he just uh, dealt with um, Peter saying that he wouldn't die, that um, he wouldn't deny him. And Jesus said, you know, hey, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. Um, and the, the disciples are starting to get the understanding of the message. Oh, wait a minute. You're going away. You're, you're, you're going to be taken from You're going to, you know, and, and, it, and it's hard for them to figure out because... Remember, the, the Jewish understanding of the Messiah was one that was going to restore Israel to its former glory, uh, one that was going to make Israel a great nation, one that was going to be like a king like David, who united Israel together and built uh, really uh, what they had, you know, just joining, and, uh, and then his son built the temple. Uh, they still had the temple there, and they're, and they're just like, the Messiah is supposed to come and like conquer. You know, here they are. Rome is over them. They have some freedoms, but they're still uh, got the oppression of Rome. Uh, they don't really have total freedom. Uh, you got leaders like Herod, that's really kind of more of a figurehead, and you know, just another servant of Rome and servant of self and and flesh and all those things. And they're they're expecting the Messiah, who they're starting to understand Jesus is. To be this leader, this conqueror, this king, this this military might, this this overthrower of governments, and he's talking about going away. He's talking about dying. He's talking about being betrayed, and that they aren't going to stand up for him. and And it's hard for them to figure out. It's you know their minds, uh, and and that happens a lot uh, with what God does in our lives, where. God will reveal some things to us, but in our minds we've got our own idea. 
of how things should be, what's coming, what's going to happen, uh, especially in the areas of future events and what God's going to do. And we just look at it and we're like, no, that doesn't that doesn't jive with what with what what's going on. Uh, we kind of will put uh, God in a box, so to speak. Uh, you know, having our own ideas rather than letting Him be God and do what He wants to do. And so they struggle a lot with that. And and actually, even uh, just to emphasize the, the main point that I'm going to look at, we'll back up just a little bit into chapter 13. And uh, I apologize that I do that a lot. I always back up into another one because I like I want I want it to be in context though. I want us to be able to see the the history and and what's happening and and I think it really strengthens the the words rather than just taking one verse and saying oh here you go. Um, but in verse 34, Jesus shares with them uh, something that's extremely significant, and it'll ring throughout um, chapter 14 and chapter 15. Uh, and it's uh, verse 34, he says, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another. I have loved you, and ye also love one another. And so he says, here he is close to facing death, He's preparing his disciples that he's going to be leaving, which means he's going to be dead for three days. They're not going to have anyone. And they're going to be in fear. They're thinking they're next. Makes sense, right? Your leader is taken and killed. Who's next? Peter got to be sweating. <laughs> he was the closest. Peter, James, and John were the closest to him. I mean, they... Hmm. Uh, I'm going to be taken away, and, and he's preparing him for this, and he's telling him, you know, uh, you think about uh, at the end, uh, when someone faces execution, you know, we have this tradition of saying, any last words? Right. What, what do you want to be remembered for? What do you want, what do you want this last thing to stay? And, and here he says, I'm going to give you a new command, that you love one another. I've loved you, now you go love one another. And, and that is the, the emphasis and the focus and the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That love for others. Uh, to think that Jesus could love even those that crucified Him. That Jesus could love those that were in society outcasts, that were uh, written off by others. You think about who Jesus hung out with even in his life and he was not uh, in palaces. He was not with the rich and the famous and you know uh, a guest star on American Idol and Dancing with the Stars or <laughs> whatever kind of nonsense <laughs> our society has. He was with prostitutes, tax collectors, drunkards, uh, adulterers, thieves, whoremongers. I mean, these are the kind of people he hung out with. And you go, well, wait, you know, he's talking about all this righteousness stuff. You know, we talked about uh, a few weeks ago, our righteousness has to exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees. But the, the ones that rejected Jesus, the ones that didn't want anything to do with Jesus, were the religious people. The religious leaders didn't want anything because they had a religion and Jesus was talking about a relationship with God, a relationship of love that comes from a loving God because God is love and taking that love and sharing it with others, loving 
the prostitute, loving the, the whoremonger, loving the, the tax collector, loving the one that was so far away from God, but showing them a love and a reality that God loved them and was willing to let them be part of the kingdom. And that, that kingdom concept and that reality of his love is, is so powerful and so overcoming, and it really makes the religious people mad. Because you're not dressing the right way, you're not talking the right way, you're not hanging out with the right kind of people, you're not going to the right schools, you're not, you don't have the right pedigree, you don't have the, the, um, the what is it, diploma, you don't have you know, the, the written letter, you don't have all these things. All you have is God saying He loves you in a relationship with Him. Well, I, you know, <laughs> and they get mad about that. And, and that's the reality and the power of the day that we live in is that we can go with love to others and reach out with love to others and see that power of love break down walls, uh, break down divisiveness, break down uh, barriers and, and see that kingdom of God move into people's lives. Because when we get into all the different you know, ideas and religions and doctrines and creeds and uh, dress code and colors of skin and all these different things, we start to put up all these walls that interfere with the Word of God and with the, the love of God and with the life of God and with the power of God, whereas we as those ambassadors of Christ go out with love and we're able to knock down a lot of those walls and say, listen, God loves you. Yeah, well, I'm not good enough to be loved by God. I, I remember my sister had someone once and I, I just loved the way she handled it because they said, well, you know, I'm just, I'm just too far gone for, for God to love me. You know, I'm, I'm, too, I'm too much of a sinner for God to love me. And she goes, well, congratulations. You must think really highly of yourself. And they're like, what? They're like, finally, someone that is so wicked, God can't love them. Boy, you must really be exalted in your position of being this wicked, wicked person. <laughs> they're like, hmm, wait. Oh, <laughs> I not thought about it that way. Really? You really think that, that you're so bad, God doesn't love you? Uh, God does. And he sent his son down to die on the cross for your sins. And you can have eternal life through him. And it's a matter of faith. Uh, it's by grace we're saved through faith. You think uh, this is a 498-year anniversary of Martin Luther pinning the 95 Theses on the door saying, listen, there's, there's something more than all these indulgences and all these different things that le it led to the Reformation uh, almost 500 years ago where he's saying, listen, there, it is by grace through faith and not of works, lest any man should boast. And so here's Jesus, and he gives them this command, you know, the, to love. Uh, and then in verse 14, or in chapter 14, verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. And this is, a, you know, one that we could really, we could read over kind of quickly and not see the power of what Christ is saying here. It says, you believe God, you believe the creator of the universe, you believe God the, the, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, believe also in me. In other words, he's kind of bringing himself to that same position of where God is in their faith. And they're going, whoa, 
believe also in you. Oh. Yeah, why? Because he is the Christ. He is the Son of the living God. He is the anointed of God. He is the Messiah. He is the deliverer. Uh, Christ, Messiah is, is the same thing. It's Christ is the, the Greek word for it. Messiah is the, the Hebrew word for it. Um, same concept. The, the anointed one of God. He is prophet, priest, and king. He is the one, the soon deliverer. He is the one that's going to bring uh, captivity captive. He is the one that's going to bring victory. He is the one that's going to exalt God's kingdom above all other kingdoms. He's that rock that shatters all other things and is a firm foundation that we can put our faith and hope and trust in. In verse 2 it says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so... I would have told you, I go prepare a place for you. And this is one we kind of we alluded to last week and uh, talked about um, in uh, the modern translations. It'll talk about in my father's house are many rooms. I go to prepare a place for you. And I talked about how, you know, we are the temple of God. We are the dwelling place of God. And, and it's almost this concept of Jesus saying, I'm going to prepare a place in the kingdom of God and in the, in the dwelling place of God where you are going to have a place for God to dwell. And, and that should put us a whole nother perspective, you know, in like the songs we sang where, you know, we are a sanctuary, pure and holy, uh, tried and true, where God is dwelling within us and so then we should live a life uh, that is pleasing to Him. We should realize when we are taking our bodies and doing things with it that we are subjecting Christ to those things. Uh, Paul alludes to that when he talks about, man, if you, if you take your body and join with a prostitute, you're taking the body of Christ and joining with a prostitute. Uh, is how uh, detailed Paul gets with it, and it's you know if we are the sanctuary of God, then we should we should pay attention to you know even foods we eat and things we do, places we go, um, what, what we watch, all all these different aspects of it uh, as being that temple, and that uh, Jesus says, man, I'm going to make a place for you, and then we see again in Revelations where it's like we have this temple of God, but it's actually God is the temple, and Jesus. Uh, is the temple, and there's this way in which we just all are, are joined together. I think of uh, Jesus before he uh, is crucified, and he prays a prayer. And one of the things he's praying is he's saying, "Father, I want these to be one, as you and I are one." And Jesus is saying, in the same way that I am one with the Father, that I only spoke the things that the Father had me speak and showed you the things that the Father had me to show you, in the same way I want you to be one with me. I want you to be joined with me. I want you to be able to, uh, when someone looks at you, see me. When someone listens to what you have to say, they're going to hear me. When someone sees what you're doing, they're going to see me doing these things. And as we are able to walk in that love, that commandment that He gave us, we're able to be those ambassadors and those ones that carry forth that love and power and anointing of the Holy Spirit. Well, I like the way this is all flowing. That's good. It's going good. It's going good. Okay, um, and uh, so in chapter uh, 14, we'll, we'll jump down a little bit. Go to verse... Mm. 21, okay, 15 is good because that'll, that'll tie into it. Um, and actually, I guess I'll start at 13 and go down. Uh, we got time. Uh, chap, uh, chapter 14, verse 13, and, and whatsoever ye ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if ye ask anything in my name, I will do it. And if ye love me, keep my commandments. 
And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Uh, and I'll pause there and kind of go into this a little bit. So Jesus is saying, listen, things that you ask in my name, I'm going to do it for you. Um, you know, we, we've, we've heard some of those before. You know, uh, knock and it shall be opened unto you. Seeking ye shall find. Uh, you know, ask and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Um, and, he, and he talks about this asking and this fact that he's going to give to you and how it's going to be something that you're going to receive because it's going to bring glory to the Son. It's going to glorify Him. His name is going to be exalted. His name is going to be uh, brought into light and the, and the power and reality of who He is is brought forth. And so it's not asking of things that we're going to consume on our own lusts. But it's asking for things to help us to walk in this love and this uh, sharing for others. We bring prayers and supplications to Him. We, we are looking for, we know individuals that are suffering for the sake of the gospel. And we're praying for them. We know individuals that are, that are having uh, difficulties with health and their finances or all these different areas uh, as they're moving forth in the, in the kingdom of God. And so we're joining with them in prayer uh, to... Uh, uh, see that kingdom being brought forth and Jesus is saying man I'm going it's going to bring glory to him to answer those prayers and then he talks about how uh, in verse 15 if ye love him that you'll keep his commandments and this is really important in the King James you know the keep his commandments in the new international version it'll say obey what I commanded um, but the reality of it is that word in the Greek, keep, is a much more accurate way to translate it than obey. Uh, the keep in that case is a way in which you treasure something, in which you hold something inside that, that you value. It's the same way that uh, Mary kept the words she heard about Jesus in her heart. And she kind of treasured them there, and she would she would watch as Jesus grew up, and she's she's watching. It's uh, even in the Old Testament, uh, Thy words have I kept that I might not sin against you. The, this concept is a guarding, a treasuring, a, a, a valuing of His commands. It's not about an obedience that they translate in the New International Version and some of the more modern translations. It's more of a treasuring and a valuing and a saying, this is so important to me that I'm going to hold this dear. Uh, they uh, even in secular worlds talk about the idea of love your neighbor as yourself or do unto others as you would have them do unto you as the golden commandment. Uh, or the golden rule. You know, what's the golden rule? Why do they call it golden? What's that thing that has great value? What's that thing that you treasure? What's that thing that you're going to hold in that I'm going to love someone else? And so as we walk forth and there are those that would, uh, you know, despitefully use us. There's those that would persecute us. There's those that would uh, come against us. Those that would curse us. Those that would do all these things. That's why we're able to say, okay, well, I'm going to bless those that curse me. I'm going to, I'm going to pray for those that despitefully use me. And uh, we're able to bring good and love to those that do wrong for us because we treasure that gold, that value, that command that Jesus had, which was to love as He loved us. How much did He love us? He laid down His life for us. Rarely would a man lay down his life for a friend, 
But he laid it down for us. He laid it down for us while we were still enemies. Right. While we were still against him. While we were not rooting for him. While we were on the other team. <laughs> he died for us. And so to be able to have that love and that ability to, to bring that forth and to treasure that commandment in our hearts and to be able to walk in that love. Um, and, then, and then he says in verse 16, And I will pray to the Father... Jesus says, he'll pray to the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. And here he's talking about the Holy Spirit being that comforter that comes. Uh, and, you know, why do we need a comforter? Because we'd be lost without. Yeah? 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 Because we have trials and troubles and tribulations in this world, so we need someone to comfort us, right? We have times where we face sickness and disease and death and pain and suffering and, I mean, just so many things that we go through, so we need comfort. Amen? We need someone to pray to or you know, somebody else has problems and we don't know how to answer Yeah. Yeah, there's times where we're just like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to pray. I don't know what the next step is and uh, he's there because he's not just a counselor but he's also a teacher he's also a guide he's also a convictor he's I, he does so many things um, but uh, and I think one of the reasons that Jesus emphasized comforter here is because again he's talking about his death uh, he's talking about the disciples that are about to go through some real grieving times uh, you know they're they're about to to face the fact that all their thoughts and ideas of what Jesus was going to do were just destroyed. Uh, I like it even just before Jesus raises up into heaven and he's talking about the kingdom of God. And it's like, at this time, will you restore the kingdom? And you know, they're like, oh, man. They're just listen to what I'm saying. Um, uh, and so, yeah, the, the comforter and, the, and that power of the Holy Spirit and, the, and that love that, that it comes from us. It, uh, as a matter of fact, he says um, in verse 17, he says, Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. And here's, here's a, an important point, what Jesus is sharing with them. He's saying the Holy Spirit dwells with you right now because the Holy Spirit, remember, came on Jesus. All the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in Jesus in bodily form. And the Holy Spirit was there on in with Jesus. Um, and so when the disciples saw Jesus, they saw the Holy Spirit. When the disciples saw Jesus, they saw the Father. But he says, and he will be in you. After Jesus' death, then he had that opportunity where he could then take that Holy Spirit and put it inside of each and every one of us. And in the same way that the Holy Spirit abides in Christ, the Holy Spirit abides in us. And that's why when Jesus talks about doing greater works than he did, that's why we can, because it's the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. It's the same Spirit that had Jesus raise others from the dead. It's the same Spirit that Jesus was able to pray for others and see him healed. It's the same Spirit that Jesus was able to to walk and confound the wisdom of the Pharisees and the scribes and the teachers of the law. It's the same spirit that dwells inside of us that was inside of him. And that same anointing. And that's pretty cool too. Wow. Same anointing. Um, and so uh, he goes in verse 18, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And you go, well, wait. 
What do you mean? You will come to us. The Holy Spirit will come to us. Well, when the Holy Spirit comes to us, Jesus is coming to us. and Because uh, they are one. Uh, God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, and just the reality of all that. And there's just so much depth into what Jesus is saying here. And he talks about how he's going to be going away. And then in verse 21 he says, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them... He it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved by my Father. And I will love him and will manifest myself to him. And so here he's kind of just kind of tying it all up. He says, if you have these commandments that I've given you, you keep them, you treasure them, you, you hide them in your heart. That means that you love me. And if you love me, the Father's going to love you. And ultimately... What does it take? The love of Jesus in our lives, the love of the Father in our lives, gives us that ability to love others. The power of the kingdom of God, the reality of the kingdom of God, is all about love. And and how it works is uh, in the same way that uh, tree roots go in and pull out nutrients and water and all those kinds of things. The same way that Holy Spirit, that love, can go into people's lives and influence their lives. Uh, in the negative way, it's the same way the roots of bitterness can go in and corrupt things. But as we go forth in love, as we see other people and we show them love, and it can be words of kindness, it can be acts of kindness, it can be uh, just various ways in which we go out of our way to show love to someone else, to encourage someone else, to bring life to someone else, as we share that with others, that bond of love gets strengthened and they have more love now that they can share with someone else. I remember there was a, a commercial sometime back where it was like someone smiled at somebody else or something. I don't even remember exactly what it was. And then that person smiled at someone else and they smiled at someone else and it just went down the road and it actually came back to them through someone you know, 20 people away that smiled at them and they were the ones that started the smile. And that's the way the love works. That, that bonding, that unity that power of love uh, as we go into uh, if it's at work if it's in the community where we go shopping if it's in our homes uh, if it's in our neighborhood as we go out and and uh, and ultimately the closer it is to us the harder it is sometimes to show love <laughs> that's that's a side note <laughs> but as we go out and we share love and we bring forth this love, uh, it's, it's moving forward with that power of the kingdom and walking that kingdom forward. And as, the, as we do that and strengthen that, then others are empowered to go and move the kingdom forward. I think about the works that God created for us to do in Christ Jesus before the foundation of the world. We were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And I think about good works and a lot of times when people hear about works in the kingdom or they think about works in Christianity and they might think about doing something in the church or, or are doing something, you know, they're, they're out uh, leading someone to the Lord or something like that. And really, it's not that. It's walking in love. It's sharing love. It's uh, helping others, loving others, uh, giving to others. And sometimes some of the more powerful people, even in a congregation, are ones that are even overlooked because they don't, they're not maybe shining forth as some big Bible teacher or whatever or something that the church seems to exalt. But they are someone that is showing love in the community. They're showing love to others. They are giving to others and they are serving quietly 
unfortunately, and maybe even even overlooked uh, by those that are around us. But that is the works that we are called to do. That is the power of what we can do. And irregardless of where we are, irregardless of what our denomination does, irregardless of what our group does, irregardless of what others do around us, we can walk in love. We can share love with others. Uh, that's a good word. I like that. I like that. Did you know there's no such word as irregardless? Yeah. It's, yeah, I know. My son t mentioned that to me. He said, uh, he said, you know, you use that word, and that's not a word. I know. Yeah, it's just plain regardless. Yeah, I know. Um, this is not a side note. This is part of the conversation. Oh, good. The, the, only, the only way that, that the disciples can do and become a disciple and to do these things that Jesus is asking us to do is literally to be born again to shed that old skin. And those who are not his sheep, they couldn't hear his voice. They couldn't be born again. They, they just couldn't go there. You know what I mean? They didn't realize that they had to give up, you know, all their old ways and their old skin and, and be born again. And they just, it was very difficult, you know, or and anybody. It's just... But that's the only way you can you can accomplish these goals. Well, you think about the idea of being born again, and it's an idea of starting over. It's that idea of where Paul talked about, you know, everything in the past is just gone, and I'm starting anew. And that can be a very difficult thing for people to do. You think of Nicodemus, you know, here he is, a religious leader. He's older, he's established, and he's coming to Jesus, and they're having this discussion about, born again starting over what nah man you know how much effort it took for me to get to this point now praise the lord he's able to take a lot of things in our lives and redeem them and use them for his glory and all those things but yeah born again it's a it's a fresh start we become a new creature uh, you know, and, and it's all and it's all new, and so it is uh, for some people very uh, scary, very uh, difficult for them to do. Sometimes it's like changing all of your life. You have to change your life in order to, to be able to do that. Yeah. Well, and some people think they have to change their lives before they can come to Christ, and that's not no. the reality. No. We come to Christ through faith, uh, and it's by grace, and then because then that Holy Spirit comes into us and circumcises our hearts and, and changes us into new, then we are able to walk in that new life and, and walk past some of those things. And I know that is a hindrance that some people have is they think, oh, well, I have to stop this, I have to do that, I have to change these things before I can come. And it's like, no, just come. <laughs> He'll help you with all that other stuff, you know. He'll he'll take care of that. You're not even going to want to do those things as you move forward with God, because uh, that's not where your joy is going to come from. That's not where your peace is going to come from. That's not where your fulfillment is going to come from. It's going to come from walking in love. You, you don't even know how fulfilling something is until you're able to show love to someone else, see that love touch them, and bring that gift of life to them. And then you go, oh, wow, that's, that's worthwhile. That's, that's worth doing. That's worth, that's worth doing some sacrifices and, uh, and giving of what I have. Uh, in chapter 15, verse 1, it says, uh, chapter 15, verse 1, I am the true vine, and my father is the husband, then... Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch 
that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean, though the world were, or through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit in itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. And here he's saying, you know, he is that vine that brings the nutrients to the branches. He is the one uh, through which it flows. Uh, I think about even going back to the command. He says, if you love me, and you, you love those commands that I gave you, then the Father's going to love you just as I loved you and he loved me. And it's just all the way that that, that all works together. And that, that love that flows out of him uh, as a branch in his kingdom. And if we are productive... He prunes us so we produce more fruit. Oh, thanks, God. <laughs> and if we're not productive, cuts us off, throws us into the fire because we're useless. Uh, and I think that's where we see sometimes, you know, believers that just kind of turn their back on God, aren't willing to walk in love, and then you see them go, uh, you might use the term backslide, or they go back into all these different yeah. things, and you think, well, what's going on there? Well, they got to that point probably where God says, okay, you're not useful anymore, and he just turned them over to that fire, that 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 uh, evil, that, that wickedness that's out there, and says, that's what you want to do, go do that, and they get burned up, their lives just get destroyed. Uh, I'm sure we've all uh, seeing that with people uh, but the, to be able to, to have that that love that comes from him and that abiding in him as that branch and then the fruit uh, as a matter of fact Jesus is going to emphasize here bearing fruit and the importance of having fruit and the importance of being very productive in the area of fruit and when you think of fruit of the spirit what are some of the things you think of Love, peace, patience, yeah. forgiveness, self-control. Self-control. Yeah, oh, that's a harder one. <laughs> yeah, Th those are all fruit of the Spirit. And it all starts with that love. I, I like, uh, some people use the illustration of, you know, the in, in the Greek you can see where it could be constructed this way, where the fruit of the Spirit is love, and then the other ones kind of tie into that. So it's love expressing itself in joy. Love expressing itself in goodness. Love expressing itself in kindness. Love expressing itself in self-control. Love expressing itself in faithfulness. You know, it's, and it's all that love bringing all those things together and, and tying all that uh, together. And it's, it's so neat to be able to see it. And I wish I could uh, verbalize it better because it's so clear to me how as we just go out into the world and go out into our workplace and go out into uh, areas of wherever the the community shopping all those different things that we do how we can bring love and advance the kingdom of God and share the kingdom of God with others not with just talking about Jesus or leading people to the Lord and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with any of that stuff of course I'm not saying that but the the real power is bringing that love forth because here's the thing as that love flows and as more and more as the love flows and they see love and then they see a community 
of love and not just one individual love, but there's a community of love, it brings them in and they say, I want to be part of that. That's what Jesus did, wasn't it? He went out and loved and then as he had this community of people that he loved and they were very intimate, he was, especially John was the disciple who he loved. He was closest with John and then you had James and you had Peter and they were really close and boy, he really loved them. And then you had the the other 11 and he really loved them. Then you had some of the other disciples and you had uh, Mary Magdalene and you had different ones. You know, you had uh, Zacchaeus and his sisters and these different ones that he loved. And there was this community of love and this intimacy and everybody wanted to get close to him and be part of that love. Yeah, they wanted to be healed. They wanted to hear the words that he had to share. But ultimately, it was that atmosphere and community of love that they wanted to be a part of. And it was that atmosphere and community of love that the religious leaders couldn't fight against. Right. And they're like, what are we going to do? All the world's going to follow him. Can you imagine when he came into Jerusalem and people are laying down palm branches and coats and they're saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And they're praising and they're worshiping and they're screaming and just excited about Jesus coming in. And the religious leaders are like, Tell the little children to be quiet at least. The kids are getting carried away. (laughs) It's like, if they're quiet, the rocks are going to cry out. Because I am the king. I am coming. I am the one that loves. And they go, well, finally, we better do something about this. And it's not long after they put them to death. But you're not going to stop love. Because in love he rose again from the dead. In love he poured out his spirit onto his disciples. And in love 3,000 people on the day of Pentecost gave themselves to the Lord from all different nations and groups and peoples and tongues. And they went out and they spread that kingdom of love. And that kingdom of love is what we are a part of and what we can go show and demonstrate and share. A lighthouse unto God. That's exactly what I was waiting to say. You see, He's the vine, and if we take His His fruit that He's given us, and we and we perpetuate it and share it, then then we then we then we're appropriating eternal life. Mm-hmm. If we if we do it for us and giving Him the glory, if we do it because we're a good guy, we're a good neighbor, that's okay. Yeah. But the problem is, it dies when you die. Yeah. Yeah. You see, it's not it's not passed along, and it and it's and he gets all the glory and the fruit, and then it's perpetual. Then it's then nobody can stop it. But yeah. guys who do things like Bill Gates, yeah, look all the money he's got, but but for what? Mm-hmm. See? Yeah, for what? Yeah, to draw recognition to he's a good guy. Right. But I want to mention the fact that forgiveness is not one of the fruits. No. That's the demonstration of the love that's yeah. growing in your life. Yeah. And, all. Yeah. and that's the, yeah. the main prerequisite to really growing in love. And then, and then as you act in that forgiveness, that's when these fruits start. Absolutely. Yeah, because if you don't have that forgiveness, it's going to not allow the fruit to grow. Is yeah. it? It's going it's to stifle that. Yeah, that's the big stranglehold mm-hmm. that Satan loves to use on but that that was one of the things that Jesus was uh, demonstrating when he washed the disciples' feet and he told them 
you know not now what I am doing, but you will later, because he knew that they were going to betray him and that he was showing them that he was going to be forgiving them even after his death. He was forgiving them ahead of time, mm -hmm. but they didn't know that until afterwards, and then they realized. And I, and I think about the fact that Jesus washed the disciples' feet, and there was a couple of times in Jesus' lives where some individuals washed his feet, but what kind of individuals did that? Yeah, the servants, the lowest ones. Well, it was, uh, there was a woman that went and washed his feet. There was, yeah. As far as scripture seems to indicate, she was basically a prostitute uh, that came and washed his feet. There was also uh, Mary, the, mother, or the sister of Lazarus, that came and washed his feet at another point. You go, well, you know, these aren't, these aren't people that would be highly exalted. And even in that society, women weren't held real high, and especially not a prostitute. And then Jesus goes and washes these disciples' feet, and he's like putting himself in a similar position of what they were when they washed his feet. And you go, well, no wonder, the, no wonder Peter's like, no, you're not going to wash my feet. Whoa. Of course, Jesus is like, well, if I don't, you're not going to be clean. Right. He's like, well, then wash everything. Yeah. He's like, no, you're already clean. You only need me to wash your feet. Um, you know, have, having that balance. Not all of you are clean, and he was talking about Yeah, one of you is a devil. I had a vision last night uh, talking about a lighthouse and, and shining forth the, the glory of God. And I see uh, Dennis's garden out there. And uh, saying, man, isn't that neat? Oh, he's got this garden that's just dedicated to, to God and, and just sharing with others. And wouldn't that be neat if, uh, if I could come on, uh, you know, Sunday after, I, after the service and go and help, help pull some weeds out of there or something and just kind of show and just, just open up and just say, you know what? This is, a, this is a place of love. This is a, a place of, uh, of giving. And, and that way John doesn't have to come and steal tomatoes, you know, and stuff. He can just say, you know, come and, come and help. And I could just see where God could use, use that more and more for His glory. It's, um, the, the rocks that, that God shared with you to, to make that pile, has He shared any more with you? Or do you have any, well, anything I, that He I, talked to you about with that? Well, they, I'll tell you what it was. He wanted me to start at the bottom, make it bigger, and go up to the top, and then put a cross on it. Uh -huh. And he said, just like, and he, this is the verses that he told me, he said, just like I died on the cross for your sins, I forgave you, I want you to forgive. Because he, he always puts that in my heart to forgive. Yeah. You know, that's why he always tells me to tell everybody to forgive. Yeah. You've got to forgive because it says in the Bible, if you don't forgive, he won't forgive you. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty strong. Yeah. Pretty strong. Yeah, I thought I thought about that, and I thought, wouldn't that be neat to have that with the cross, and then have even uh, a sign or an understanding? Come and lay your burdens at His feet. Yeah. You know, uh, just just that kind of thought. Uh, the, those weights, those rocks, those things that that hold you down uh, to be able to do that. And uh, and so I just I, I'm just throwing that 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 vision out there and sharing it with you because then uh, you know we'll see where it goes from there. But uh, well, then, uh, I have, then I had a vision too, and I was going to talk to Chris. Well, I was going to talk to him about the board, but God told me He said when John and him and Chris put those rocks on the uh -huh. front that every person that goes to your church needs to 
to, we'll figure out how we can do it, maybe with a paint or something, and write Bible verses on there. Everybody's favorite bi- Bible verse, you know. Yeah. Yeah. We, they, yeah. They've got paint pens that you can. Yeah. Yeah. Write with that sounds great. Yeah. yeah. Let's get some of those. Yeah. Just write. You know, everybody yeah. in the church just write their favorite verse on on a rock. You know? I can really see this building and this area just opening up more and more for people. I really like that. You know, some of the people from next door came over and got some books while we were working on the building yeah. and things like that. And, and and I don't mind, you know, starting to, to plan my day where I stay longer on on a Sunday and, and do a little something. And and, uh, and and if you'll let me, maybe I can help you pick some beans and, you know, pull some weeds and, and do some of those things. Because you, 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 you do a lot of work, but you also do a lot of work everywhere else. And, you know, it, maybe it'd be nice to have some of those... Uh, burdens lifted up and just uh, to have that opening just more and more for for others to come in well, and share one time somebody we'd give them some tomatoes somebody and, and they said we want to pay you for them and we said no the Lord gives them to us we yeah like to give them more. yeah I don't ever charge nothing for no right words. yeah yeah because I thought about that in the past I thought well wouldn't that be nice to you know set up in like a farmer's market or something like that because there's nothing wrong with getting something for the work that you do but then uh, yesterday as I was looking at the vision I thought well wouldn't that be nice to you know on Sunday then if we have our gardens producing extra we could bring them and just let people know hey Sunday at after 1130 or whatever you know after the service uh, come on over and we've got some free vegetables come on over and get them if they want to come earlier and be part of the service they can if they don't that's fine uh, and just kind of you know share that love and because this year is going to be very productive for gardens I, okay I know we're coming to the you know our calendars it's the end of December and all that but okay so next year I'll say for for that next year is going to be a really good year for gardening and stuff and I think it'd be a real opportunity for us to be able to show love in that way and and producing a little extra uh, and sharing with others and rather than having this or or perpetuating this attitude of well I'm prepared you're not boy you better prepare saying here here I want to just just share this and, and open up that that flow of love for others I don't know that's right. All you gotta do is just when everybody's got when anybody's got something, just bring it. Just bring it and put a sign up there. Free. Free. Yeah. Yeah. Just so put you know, a table and just leave it. Yeah. Don't, don't even have to be here. Yeah. 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 Just free. <laughs> free. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Well, we yeah. had we had already been bringing ours, but that's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, to put it out. Yeah. Then it's okay for us to get first dibs on it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Praise the Lord. All right. Good. I'm glad I shared it. I wanted to touch on another comment you made earlier about uh, how how we're told Mary, these different things, these, these things that Christ did, you know, in his ministry, how she treasured that mm-hmm. in her heart. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when you look at it, can you imagine the hardship and the grief when she sees her son being beat and and she has she has to just stand back and see it see then she could draw on those things well he is the son of god mm-hmm. you know and, and 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 was able to and that's what god does he gives you those things so that when these horrible things come that you can come back and draw and say yeah but god has a purpose god has an answer god and and, and that's that's largely you know what I felt in her life being 
being obedient to the Lord, being, you know, all those things. Uh, being scolded at one point when, mm -hmm. when, when he was 12 years old, you know. Uh, oh, well, and at the wedding supper, too, you know. Well, yeah, that's when she comes yeah. to him then yeah. asking for help, you know. Yeah. But when he was 12 years old, now, why are you, why weren't you with us, you know, why yeah. did you go off on your own? And, uh, but, but anyway, I, though, that's why it's so important, though, is, is because we don't ever know uh, what terrible hardship may befall us, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, 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 and that's when, because of the Holy Spirit, can draw us to those so things. That, that's where the idea of the Ebenezer's come in. Uh, Ebenezer is like a signpost or a uh, memorial. You look at some of the patriarchs and what they would do is they, well, like when Tom Young was here, he shared how uh, Jacob uh, had the dream uh, of the uh, ladder and so he takes some rocks and he makes a sacrifice and he has this place and so he has this memorial he has this marker and it's just a, just a pile of rocks <laughs> as a marker and, and those Ebenezer's in our lives and when we see God doing things in our lives those signposts in our lives uh, you know some answer to prayer some difficult time he brings us through um, you know some some depth vision that he shows us whatever it is that we 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 mark those in our lives uh you know some people keep journals that's one great you know you can write it in there you know but you have these there, there's certain days that stand out above other days right. uh you know if you're a parent and you had a child die that day's gonna stand out oh, yeah. right uh yeah um you know oh a day a child's born is going to stand out. Uh, a wedding day should stand out. There, there's certain days that are that are that are special, and and we should be able to take those and markers and in our minds and our hearts have those so that when we face those difficult times, when we face another trial, when we face uh, heartache, when we face problems, then we're able to look back at those and say, oh yeah, I remember when God brought me through this. I remember how God worked that. I remember the promise God gave me. You think of Abraham, you know, with the promise of the land and everything and never really possessing it, but yet looking for that city whose builder and maker was God. Just uh, that concept is, is powerful. But, yeah, and having the markers of them or written down ones or the rocks, yeah. uh, the memorials, they help when other when you run into other people and they have a problem or mm -hmm. they have a joy to share, you can share yours. Absolutely. And it, it just multiplies and it just keeps right on going. Yeah, and there's no set way to do it. I mean, you, how, whatever it takes for us to remember it, you know, whether it's, you know, a, a journal entry, a calendar, uh, uh, plant a tree <laughs> when that special thing happens. Every time you see the tree grow, I remember like when the kids were born, of course, I was in my old house, you know, like planted a tree when they were born or something, you know, and, uh, you know, whatever, you know, there, there's so many different ways that, that we can mark it uh, just to remember it. Uh, it's an interesting thing. Uh, my prayer at, over dinner yesterday at the Thing was today's sermon. Mm. Pretty interesting. I just realized that that was my prayer this weekend. You know, the, yeah. the, today's sermon. So I thought yeah. that was, you know, God is and, good. And you know, it's another thing too. You know, Jesus says once we're around each other, we won't have to ask each other, "Do you know the Lord?" Because we will all know the Lord. Right. Nobody yesterday spoke about religion or anything because it wasn't necessary. Yeah. Everybody knew who was there and why they were there. 
And and we're in a day of uh, fulfillment of dreams. Uh, that's the day we're yeah. in. So it's really really exciting to be here. And it, it's hard for me to know the balance sometimes of what to share because I also understand all the other things that are happening <laughs> out there. Because there's a lot of darkness. There's a lot of turmoil. There's a lot of problems. There's a lot of you know all those things. But you know for us, I mean, this is a Awesome time to be alive. This is a time of rejoicing. This is a time of productivity. This is a time of harvest. This is a time of sharing of love. And it's just a, it's a wonderful time. Um, and you know, because uh, you know, I want to be able to share messages too with others. And I think, well, you know, <laughs> they may not hear that part because they're going through a, a flood or an earthquake or a hurricane or a you know fire or <laughs> you know all those things that are happening in other places. So uh, you know, I just try to find that balance. So. You know, in those hard times, which, you know, I've been there in those hurricanes. Yeah. If you just forget about your troubles and just start going helping other people, it seems to make it real easy. Yeah. You, know, you don't even bother you. We don't have to think about it then. Yeah. You just yeah I, I, I couldn't figure out, and that, that was one of the ones that just blows me away, is there was people just standing around waiting for the government to come and help. Yeah. Uh, how could you not do something? I just stand there or sit there and wait. I, 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 that is not in, I'm not wired that way. I'd be doing something. I'd be helping somebody, building a fire, going looking for food, going, I mean, I'd be doing something. <laughs> There's no way I could just sit there. Yeah, just. You know, you can be out there when somebody has a problem or needs something done, the neighbors just get together and they go and help. Yeah. They're digging a ditch or running wire or if there's something that you don't know how to do, you know, then you ask and everybody. Well, see, and, that, and that's something I don't, I, some people don't understand, too, is how much rest you can get in work. The thing that wears me out is paperwork and stuff I have to do at work. I got all this yeah. stinking paperwork. And I, know. I, I, I call it trained monkey work. It's like this nonsense. But, man, to go dig a ditch... That's restful for me. I mean, my body will be sore and stuff, but it, I, I enjoy the harder kind of labor where it's just work because I, I rest. My spirit is able to rest in that. Uh, you know, I'm able to do that. And that's, that's, that's why I thought, you know, one of the ways I could sneak in a little rest, I might, might come pull a couple weeds over at Dennis's after church and stuff. the companionship that you get at the time when you're doing it, you're doing it with somebody else. Yeah. So it doesn't really seem like yeah. work, like when we worked here that day yeah. on the church. Yeah. It didn't really seem like work because everybody was together yeah, and all fun. this fellowship. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's what I was talking about earlier. If, if you're doing this work and you're not getting it, you're doing it for yeah. a reason. Yeah, exactly. All right. Did we cover enough? Are we good? Everybody? 
Heavenly Father, I thank you for uh, your love and the fact that Jesus loved us so much to give us that love and that commandment of love that, that you've given us. And Father, I ask that you'll help us to, to walk forth with words of love, with actions of love, with um, an attitude and a presence of your spirit, which is love, uh, to others. That we will see dividing walls come down and that we will see openings for uh, sharing your love and your spirit with others that we will be able to release the power and that glory and that life that comes from you. Uh, and when we just ask for this in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Ooh, longer than I was planning.